Hello, everyone, and welcome to this latest installment of Under Construction. I am your host for the day, Jamal, the angry black fan, Darby. To my top left, we have Mr. Rodney, Rob Pops Richardson. What's going on, brother? Blessed and highly favored today. All, all right, now. Preach it, preach it, preach it. To my bottom left, we have Mr. Kaiser Sosa in the building. What's going on, brother? Football season is over, so we can focus on the more important sports. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. And I have saved the best for last year. We had... We, we 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 have a very special guest, but he's not even a guest at this point. He is under construction extended family. Mr. Danny Thompson is on is in the building today. What's going on, sir? Man, it's been, it's, I'm glad to be on the show. Too bad it's not during Panther season, so I can uh, jump on Rodney for his bad quarterback choices. I mean, well, you know, I mean, we're, I mean, how, I mean, the, the couch should be pretty comfortable for you right now, too, Mr. Thompson. So it's not too much you can say to guys, us. Now. Guys, can you help remind me who was last place in the NFC South this year? There's something in the basement that I forgot, man. And I think it's a dead bird down there somewhere, man. Can somebody see if something's in the basement? Uh, who, who was that again? It's in next the Look, it's, it's it's next to the carcass of the first ballot Hall of Famer, Matt Ryan. <laughs> I mean, I mean, wait, 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 wait. who said Matt Ryan is the first ballot? Danny did. Danny, come on, bro. Bro. No, numbers bro. don't lie. Bro. Moving on, because I'm sure our viewers do not want to hear about the Atlanta Falcons. We have more important business to discuss. You know what? We have more important business to discuss, like Dwayne Haskins visiting the Carolina Panthers, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Hey, you talk about my quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you have witnessed the worst transition in under construction history. But the news is the news, and we have a duty to report it. Um, again, Dwayne Haskins uh, is rumored to be visiting the Carolina Panthers as early as tomorrow. Now, it is important to note that Matt Rule um, actually recruited Dwayne Haskins back in the day to come uh, to come play for him. Um, well, obviously, that that didn't work out so well, but guys, just give me your first thoughts on Dwayne Haskins being just just coming to visit. That that's all it is. Kaz, I want to start with you, man. What do you think about this? I don't. I don't understand the. I don't understand. <laughs> I, Hard I don't to find words, ain't it? <laughs> I mean, I really don't. I, I don't see. I don't understand. I understand. Okay, hold on. I do understand that Matt Rule has a rapport of some sort with Dwayne Haskins and maybe the Panthers organization feels like they can use that rapport to kind of mold Haskins because he's been a bit of a malcontent. I mean, if you look at the, the history of his actions uh, since he came into the league and even before that, it just, uh, it, I mean, that's one of the reasons why he didn't work out in Washington. And although Ron Rivera is very much known as a player's coach, Dwayne Haskins seems like the kind of player that's resistant to that old school kind of coaching that Ron Rivera gives to his players. Matt Rule being a kind of newer uh, style of players coach, maybe the Panthers feel like, okay, he could break through Dwayne Haskins. But it, even if that was true, is Dwayne Haskins really like what the Panthers are looking for, uh, even as far as talent and ability level? I mean, if we're going to do that, we might as well stick with Teddy until the next big thing comes along. Uh, in the draft, if they're looking for someone to to kind of like push Teddy as far as a QB competition, I don't even think Dwayne Haskins could necessarily uh, do that. Um, just kind of honestly, that, that I don't I don't even know how much uh, substance there is to the rumor, but it's a puzzling one to me. All right, Rodney, what you got on this particular issue, sir? Uh, man, it's 
Look, man, I love to see a black kid get a second chance, but not with us at this point. <laughs> um, man, it, I'm I'm just not high on Ohio State quarterbacks, and also the also we 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 preach culture and building that that locker room dynamic for a winning culture or whatever. How does a guy who broke protocol in the strip club like he's James Harden fit into that? I I, I just don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm just confused by it. He showed me nothing in, in the two years that, that, that he was in Washington. So I'm just interested to see what Matt Rule sees in him. Is this a scare tactic to push Teddy? I mean, it's a bad tactic, but I, I don't know. Danny, what you got, brother? I mean, it's we all saw Washington. We all saw how it all fall apart. But in the defense, it's always good to kick the tires. You know, interviews are interviews. Seeing where a kid's head is is seeing where a kid's head is. You know, if you can even get him on your practice squad, you know, for next season, because you already know with the way COVID has been doing, we saw the Redskins. You know, we're looking at the NBA from a different sports perspective. Watch the football team. I mean – I'm sorry. Yeah, they earned their football team name last night. But you even look going back to the Rams yesterday. The Rams had to pull Jared Goff, who wasn't even ready to play, and forced him to play because their quarterback went down. So it's always good to kick the tires. I mean, the Uptown Cabaret needs extra business anyway. It's right across the stadium anyway. So, Onyx. <laughs> yeah, you know. But I just think, you know, it's good to kick the tires. You know, see what the kid has. Like, you know, to the guys' point earlier, he's young. You know, he made some terrible mistakes as a decision maker, <laughs> but it doesn't hurt. You know, you're not bringing it, you're not bringing around the culture. You just want to see where the kid's head is. But yeah. I, I, I don't think that he'll be a good fit here. Let him get some time off, go play in the, the fan control football league or something with uh, Johnny Manziel and maybe we'll circle back around in about two years or so. So there is one question that I have surrounding the whole Dwayne Haskins visiting the Carolina Panthers. And the, the, it's a very simple question. Why? <laughs> I mean, now, I mean, listen, listen. We played we play the Washington football team a few weeks ago, and we all saw what Dwayne Haskins, for lack of a better term, did against the Panthers. He showed us nothing. He, I mean, nothing. His, his quarterback rating was trash. Um, the, the offense didn't really put a productive drive together. Uh, he, he came into the game not knowing whether he was going to be the starter or not. Um, then on top of all that, you, you, you have this you have this background where Daniel Snyder was rumored to be the only one that actually even wanted Dwayne Haskins to be drafted by the by the Washington football team. So I go back to that question. Why do you want to bring that around the Panthers culture? Now, Danny brings up a good point. Um you know, nobody expects him to be bought here to compete with Teddy Bridgewater or nobody expects him to, to you know, to be the, the starter going in next year. And I understand kicking the tires and just kind of seeing what you have with Dwayne Haskins. But at the same time, at the same time, you know, you have P.J. Walker and you have Will Greer, who you drafted in the third round. Yeah, I see your face, Rodney. But at the same time, <laughs> what is that really saying? Are you are you kicking the tires on Will Greer? Are, is is this a goodbye? Is this a goodbye to PJ Walker? Ultimately, what is it saying to your franchise? And again, I just don't get the why 
behind it. I ultimately don't get the why, except for just seeing what you got out the guy. I mean, look, man, he's what well, he's like 23, 24 years old, a former first round pick. You may be able to find something in him where he can show you something where he can be a legit backup quarterback for years in the league. I mean, maybe Ron – I mean, look, in two years he had two different cultures. I'm going to give him that. In two years he had two different cultures. He had a toxic culture in Washington. Maybe rules stability here will be a kind of guiding light for him. I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to find a silver lining in it. Mike Glennon got a job. Nathan Peterman got a job. Give Dwayne Haskins a second chance. Pretty much. I mean, like I say, it's, it's, it doesn't hurt. I mean, it doesn't hurt to bring him in, you know, talk to him and see where his head is. Like, I mean, you mentioned Will Greer. Is really Will Greer an option? Now, we didn't see much of P.J. Walker. And when he got in the game, he was still, still shaky. So, I mean, it's not like we have a – Carolina has a, a set backup, okay? Right. You know, there's nothing wrong for bringing him in to seven-on-seven OTAs because he has a great arm. That's something you can't take away. He's got a great arm. You know, it's very live. It's just the fact of, you know, it's kind of like Jeff George syndrome. Great arm, nothing much up top. But I guess here's my specific question, and anybody feel free to answer this. A third-round pick is an investment. And I guess, in, in your guys' opinion, are the Panthers ready to just give up on that investment, meaning Will Green in particular? Look, man, it's better to cut bait early than late. I mean, the guy that drafted him ain't even here no more, so. Thank you. I mean, look, look, Jamal, Jamal, does his name ring a bell to you, Armani Edwards? Uh, Rings rings a big bell, actually, yeah. There are a lot of bells we could ring, uh, you know, as far as the Panthers having to get, you know, get out of the the idea they're going to get some return on that investment. Um, Yeah, I – Bringing in Dwayne Haskins to for the uh, backup QB rotation, not a bad idea in that. It's just that in the NFL, Tigers don't change their stripes. Players are always who they are unless there has to, like, uh, you know, look uh, look at A.B. You know, look at A.B. when he was with Pittsburgh and look at him now with Tampa Bay. He looks like a damn robot talking about how much he loves his quarterback because he knows he needs a job. But he's still the same crazy ab under that and it and it took a long time an entire hall of fame-esque career for him to get to this point i don't know if Dwayne haskins is just going to flip that switch overnight to suddenly being a great mature responsible teammate it it just doesn't happen in the nfl um if if matt rule could work that magic i mean that that would be great but that's more of a concern to me is than you know his his raw ability because like Danny said he does have an arm I think Dwayne Haskins does have some ability that's why he was drafted where he was drafted but if you don't have it if you don't have it up here then it doesn't matter um not to try to sound like I want to coddle him in any way or or make excuses for the young man but how much of this do you believe is a kind of a result of of where he landed again? Because I want to go back to the situation with the Washington Football Team. Um, could it just be? Could it, could it just be an instance where the guy just probably didn't give it his all because of the situation? Could that be a possibility? Could he just need to change the scenery? I mean, he he was he, look. 
He reminds me of PJ Hairston in a way. Drafted too close to home. Those influences are there. And coupled with your immaturity, that's just a, 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 a combustible thing. Um, that did play some of some type of factor in it, but he I, I, I just don't know about the kid, man. It's like like Kaiser said, it's just not all there. Right. I think I think in some situations, Akaza's point about it is kind of hard for a Tiger to change his stripes. Well, if you look at the flip side, Chris Carter went through the same thing. Yeah, he was going. He went through a whole bunch of issues in Philadelphia. You remember, he was almost out of the league due to drugs. Yeah, then he, then he went to Minnesota of all places. I mean, what is there to do in Minnesota? He got his life together. He flipped it around, and he's what he was. He's a Hall of Famer. I'm not saying Dwayne Haskins is anywhere close to Chris Carter, but to Rodney's point. Maybe a change of scenery could be the difference for him. You put him, you get him away from Washington, one of the, the biggest markets of the country where he's from home, get him away from all his influences, bring him down to Charlotte. It could be a different story. But also at the same time, when you look at a quarterback, we everybody knew what Dwayne Haskins was at Ohio State. Every single scouting report said he is not ready to start day one. Mm-hmm. He's going to need a season or two to sit behind an experienced backup to learn the ropes of the NFL. But Dan Snyder, who is Dan Snyder, you draft him 15th overall. This kid wants to play. Gruden didn't want him. Rivera didn't want him. And if you, we've all we've all been on jobs where, when you're not liked by somebody, it's going to be known. Right. He was never <clears throat> liked in Washington. You know, it's weird how he was the captain, of the, the captain of the team. All of a sudden, if you're not being, you know, you're you're the captain, but he wasn't liked by anybody that was there. Maybe if he goes to a place and someone shows him a little bit of love. It's a different story. He was loved at Ohio State, and he threw fifty touchdowns. Well, look at when he came, when he got drafted, though. Even his attitude, his immediate attitude, the entire league kind of descended upon him. He he didn't feel like he he should have been drafted as as high or low as fifteen, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I don't recall the exact statement he made, but it was something mm-hmm. to the effect of, you know, he was going to make these teams pay for not. You know all right. the teams that had passed on him, and then people were just kind of like, mm, uh, "I don't don't know about that." You should just be happy that you you even in the NFL the first uh, round money. at this point. And now those those words just seem kind of hollow now because it's like, okay, we wait, we still waiting on you to make us pay, bro. Uh, <laughs> if if he can get rid of that, if he can if he can just say, "Hey, you know, I came in the league, I was young and stupid." He's got to do like what Chris Carter. Did hey, I was young and stupid. And Chris Carter, to be fair, his issues were far, far worse. They were drug related, um, and he was able to turn it around. I, Dwayne Haskins, really, I, I think that he's got to find that within within himself, rather than um, necessarily depend on. Um, because I, I think you know one of the things the Carolina Panthers have always had, no matter who the coaching staff was, is that locker room has always been great. Even when Steve Smith was punching people in the face and sending them to the hospital, no, we didn't even hear about that until years later. No one ever said, man, the Panthers locker room is so toxic. Everyone just talks about how great the locker room is. And it's probably the same thing this season. So Dwayne Haskins would be coming into a great locker room and I think they would accept him. But if he starts acting like, Hey, yeah, the league done messed up, guys. Uh, yep, yep. You'll be yeah. Practice squad. Yeah. Uh, one last really quick uh, question I have uh, concerning Dwayne Haskins. Did anybody else find it odd that uh, Ron Rivera started Dwayne Haskins pretty much knowing 
he was on his way out. Did anybody find that strange at all? No, I mean, he, he wanted to give us some good tape. <laughs> he, he wanted to, he wanted to build trade value. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 really shocked. We talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago, but I'm really surprised that Dwayne Haskins started against us. No, knowing what we know about Ron Affair, like we said before. He sat Cam Newton because Cam Newton didn't wear the correct tie off the plane or something like that. But, you know, yet you're going to start Dwayne Haskins a week after he went to. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that was a private birthday party for his girlfriend. That's what the official uh, Dwayne Haskins right. was. At a right. Party. Yeah. Yeah. That's why yeah. I take my girl for her birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was really actually really surprised on that. Ron Rivera. It could have been, yeah, he's trying to get his trade value up, or maybe he was just, hey, let's see, let's give the kid one last chance. I really do. I, I think it was a Dan Snyder call. Uh, I think Snyder was high on Dwayne Haskins, and I, I think that was, was was his call. And I think yeah. after after the they really got destroyed that game somehow, um, then I think it was like, okay, all right, now he no, I, I kind of agree with you, man, because honestly, this is the only thing that makes sense at, at this point. And like, I, I kind of see one to, to, to build trade value, but obviously that wasn't going to work out. There is no value with him right now. So I, I'm kind of with you on that, Kaiser. But speaking of quarterbacks and quarterbacks who have a lot more value than Dwayne Haskins, it is rumored that Deshaun Watson is not happy with the Houston Texans. And word has came out today that he is specifically not happy with the Houston Texans because of some of their stances on 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 social issues. Guys, we have a fan base that is I, I, I don't want to say excited, but they are they are definitely interested in seeing uh, uh, or, or definitely excited about, you know, a possibility of Deshaun Watson coming to the Carolinas. Um, is there any credence to that? And is there any chance that the Carolina Panthers can land a Deshaun Watson? Danny, I want to hear from you first, sir. Yeah. Are you willing to ask? Are you willing to hand over the asking price? That's the question. That's the question. That's the that's the, the elephant in the room. Okay. For people who think that the Houston Texans have to trade Deshaun Watson, he's under contract for the next four years, and he's paid very very handsomely to be the quarterback. He made that decision to stay in Houston after they ship after they traded Deshaun Watson for a UGK mixtape, um, some some chicken and an old school Jeff Bagwell jersey. That's what they <laughs> traded him for. So, if 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 you're if you're the Panthers, are you ready to hand over three first round draft picks and two second rounders to get Deshaun Watson? Are you really ready to mortgage the future, knowing that you have no draft capital for the next two to three years? That's the real question. Yeah. Yeah, I think also historically, I'm racking my brain here. When was the last time uh, we'll say a top ten quarterback got traded in the NFL? It never, it just literally never happens. What ends up happening is even the, the quarterbacks that are unhappy in the situation, the team just let the contracts run out, and then they become free agents and they go elsewhere but just because quarterbacks are so valuable they are the most valuable position on the football field besides maybe defensive end. but team like like danny said you've got to give up the, the panthers would have to give up a first a second probably dj moore or christian mccaffrey and who knows what else to get deshaun watson and the question is CMC. is that enough would that be enough to put the Panthers over the hump considering they have a bunch of holes defensively still our offensive line is still made up 
from guys from Johnson C. Smith. It, <laughs> we have a whole lot of. I love Johnson C. Smith. I love the Bulls. But um, yeah, no, no disrespect to the yeah, Bulls. No we love y'all. But um, you know, we have a whole lot of other holes to fill that we're gonna need draft picks for. And and if we get Deshaun Watson, then are we in the same situation we were with Cam Newton, where we have this high level elite talent that we just lean on his entire career until he just until he's just broken. I we could be right back in that same boat. Um I, I just I think the Texans are just gonna tell Watson to suck it up till his contract's up and then we'll have to see where the chips fall then. Hey Kaz, hey, you might have to watch out for Cerise, man. She's a Golden Bulls alumni, man. So oh, just watch man. it watch it back, man. Right. Rodney, what you got, bro? Man, look, this this is this this matter could get pretty complicated. Uh, I just read that he has a no trade clause within the contract. And so he can veto a trade to any team that he doesn't want to be a part of. And so it, it, the NFL and NBA are interesting. Like in the NBA, the players have kind of have all the power. And in the NFL, it's just like I've not really seen the players kind of test that. And so I, I'm I'm just interested to see, is he willing to sit out? Uh, how bad does he want to be traded? And does this affect Houston, uh, their ability to get free agents, quality free agents, um, if you if, if you don't to, if you don't capitulate to his to his demands? I mean, it's just this is an interesting situation to me. Um, I would love him in Carolina. I mean, he would instantly be the best quarterback we ever had in franchise history. Newsflash that 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 shouldn't be surprising to anybody. But man. <sighs> You, I don't know. Whoa, boy, you, you might have upset some people with that last I, 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 a, I don't, I don't completely disagree with that statement, but that's that's lofty. Cam Newton at his very peak, that MVP season, was something really, really special. Now, if you're talking like long term, because I think Watson's play style is going to allow him to have a longer sustained peak than Cam Newton, then I, I think you'd be correct there. I mean, I was, I, I, if, if you look at if you look at Watson last year. It was almost five thousand yards, throwing to twenty fifteen Cam Newton, Cam Newton level talent around him. Thirty three touchdowns, 33, 34 touchdowns, and four picks. Like this guy is MVP level right now, and, and he's only going to get better from here on out. You, you put our weapons around him, man. It's it's. I'll say this: the what Deshaun Watson brings to the table with all of his attributes, not just the arm and the ability to move. He is, I'll say he's the most talented quarterback. If the, if the Panthers got to be the most talented quarterback in franchise history, is he the best quarterback in franchise history to Kaza's point? Listen, Cam Newton took a whole bunch of all these employees and took them to the Super Bowl. All right. <laughs> he had all these at Walmart employees on the offense. He had Florida state pieces. See, I'm not going there. 2020. Here we go. See, here we go. All I'm saying is he took back pieces and took him to the Super Bowl. He got Ted Ginn paid. Let's just be honest, okay? Ted Ginn ran routes like Featherstone off necessary roughness for years. That's all he did <laughs> was run nine routes. But Cam Newton made him valuable. So that season. 9.99 seam. Exactly. Nine route go on NCAA, um, uh, NCAA football on Xbox. What I'm saying is. He's the most talented quarterback Carolina will ever had that they got Watson because he has the ability to be accurate enough to throw the football. That was Cam's problem. He was never accurate. Is he worth three first round? Is he worth three first round draft picks 
two <laughs> seconds and probably one of your players on your defense. They're not going to take DJ Moore. They're not going to take Christian McCaffrey for all that. The real question is, are you willing to have a nucleus of, K- of Deshaun Watson, Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson be the centerpiece of your team for the next four years? Because guess what? You have n- there'll be no draft picks in the cover at this point. That's the question, Carolina fans. And with that our with that defense, we still got we need help oh, on the back end, oh, linebacker. Yeah, that's. Now, guys, with all that being said, you have obviously made great points, but here's what everybody needs to understand. And I, and I'm not I'm not saying nothing is you know anything is imminent at this point, but what we've heard from David Tepper and and what we can what we can kind of you know. What what we can kind of understand from David Tepper is that he would be an owner who would aggressively go after what he believes is a franchise quarterback. I think if there's any owner in the NFL who would want to go after Deshaun Watson, it would be David Tepper. We we saw how far he reached just to go get Will Gray in the third round. Okay, um, he stated before that the the, the cornerstone behind every winning franchise is a franchise quarterback. So we've seen we we've seen this from David Tepper. Now, going back to the draft picks and the and the and the and mortgage in the future, I'd say personally, I think David Tepper is gonna go for it. I don't know if that's going to turn into us mortgage in the future or not, but I do want to get your gentlemen's thoughts on David Tepper and his aggressiveness going after Deshaun Watson. What do you foresee when it comes to that? Man, look, man, the GM that you bring in to do all this, man, he better be a hell of a scout because you don't have that. It's a tough job, right? It's a tough job, man. I mean, for the for the next two to three years, you're gonna have to put a defense that is just kind of good enough right now. I mean, because I mean, look, man, first first and second round picks, man, you, those are your anticipated starters for the next year. You got to stick to the plan. And the plan for the Panthers appears to be we build around a solid defense and we capitalize on the pieces that we have on offense, right? Deshaun Watson, is he enough to derail that plan? Is he that good to where you say, well, hold on. Let's not build up this young defense. Let's instead go after an elite-tier quarterback because we think that'll get us over the hump. And as we've seen, even in our own division with the Saints and the Falcons, you can have a top-tier offense. And if your defense can't keep the other team scoring 21 points, you'll have a losing record every year. I think it's important, more important to have that balance or even more important maybe to have – a top tier defense. Hey Kaiser, uh, Kaiser, Kaiser. What if you're up like twenty eight to three? Do, do you lose those games? <laughs> <laughs> you know, in, in situations like that, Rodney, at least we were there. Y'all were enjoying. Um, y'all were enjoying this couch. That's all I'm saying. You know, I had, some, I had some good wings that night. Go ahead. I'll tell you this to Kaiser's point. But here's here's the here's the thing I have with this. If you add Deshaun Watson to the offense you already have, and you take away and you just keep the defense the way it is. Carolina's a nine to ten win team with Deshaun Watson. Yeah. It, because as much as you guys have said on this show how much Teddy Bridgewater has made horrible decisions late in games, not being able to drive the ball down the field, not be able to make the plays. Rodney just mentioned 33 touchdowns, four interceptions, 
with trash wide receivers. In Carolina's case, Carolina's two 1,000-yard wide receivers. All right? Yeah. We saw what Deshaun Watson has done with actual real talent around him. You give him a healthy Christian McCaffrey, Carolina's a 9-11 to 11 win team, even in this division. Every year. It, that's what it is. You, but to your point, you have nothing to rebuild the defense with. And I'm not sure about Carolina's cap situation. You're not attractive free agents either. So you're going to have mm-hmm. to be able to outscore teams. The good news is you have a top five quarterback that can help you outscore teams. I'm not sure, though, if Tepper – I mean, I think Tepper might would be aggressive in going <laughs> after Watson because that's the kind of person he is. But um, historically, those those things just don't work out in the NFL. They just don't because, because of the way that – just the idea of you have 53 players on a team, uh, you have to give up so much – for players with valuable positions, uh, that's in it's. It, we don't have a GM, a real GM right now, and that could hurt us in this because there's no one to say, "Well, hold on, guys, let's sit back and take take a look at the situation as a whole." You essentially have Matt Rule, who, as we stated a few weeks ago, looks like he's going to have complete control over player personnel, and whoever they bring in as a GM is just going to be the money guy. So. It could just be Tepper and Matt Rule just playing right. fast and loose, like, "Hey, yeah, let's let's do this." And I'm not sure if that's the the best thing for the Panthers right now. Man, if only Bill O'Brien was still with the Texas man, <laughs> we, we we could just throw those guys a fourth round pick and Teddy Bridgewater and call it a day. No, I got this nice mega hat if you want it. <laughs> I mean, no, just just give him some prices, chicken coop. Uh, a, a play of grits and Nickies and some fish. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater in two seventh rounds, you might have a deal. All right, man, God, if only Bill O'Brien was there. Since he loves to give away star players, man. But anywho, we are going to switch gears and talk about my favorite team in Charlotte, the Charlotte Hornets. Guys, what if I told you that last week, if we would have played Philadelphia, Atlanta twice, and the Pelicans, and I told you that we would go three and one. How many of you would believe me? Raise your hand. Nobody. That's exactly what happened last week. The, the I'm sorry, the Charlotte Hornets go three and one. Gordon Haywood averages 25 points a game, and Lamelo Ball almost had two triple doubles, but he did score one last night. Guys, please share your pleasant thoughts about the Charlotte Hornets from last week, man. If anyone had a thought that at this point in the season, the Hornets would be 500, they're probably untrustworthy. They're <laughs> probably a liar. I don't want to hear what they got to say. Uh, so they have no integrity schedule, whatsoever, huh? There was a point where I looked at the schedule and was like, mm, we, might not win a, we might not win a single game out of this. And here we are sitting at, at, at five and five with all of our wins coming against teams at least 500 or better, with the exception of the win against Atlanta last night, who was a 500 team until we beat them Wednesday night. So, you know, as the Hornets play, it looks like they're getting that chemistry, which is so important to an NBA team, especially uh, a team where we have, you know, so many new pieces, two major new pieces, Gordon Hayward and Hayward and LaMelo Ball. Um, You know, we, we went from a 10 man rotation down to uh, a nine-man rotation. We kind of know, okay, these are the guys that are going to produce for us, and here's how they play together. 
And we're starting to see that come to fruition. I don't make a big deal over us losing the lead in games that we won because, guys, this is the NBA. In fact, I'll do the work for you so you don't have to. But if you go back and look at 15-plus point leads in the NBA over the last decade, they don't mean anything because of the three-point shot. Uh, Teams can just – Teams can just come back. Teams blow leads all the time. What's important is that you finish those games, and that's what they did uh, last night and against Atlanta. When it it was crunch time, guys took big shots and made them, and we were able uh, to win those games. I wasn't expecting us to beat Philly, not twice. I mean, Philly is just a really, really good team. They're a better team than the Hornets, and I felt like we were competitive enough uh, in that game. But I feel like – they had a really good game plan against Atlanta. They essentially shut down Trey Young um, in two straight games. Also, when you play a team twice um, in a very close time interval, something that, that I don't like, I understand the scheduling this season because of COVID, but um, it, typically the team that lost the first matchup has an advantage in the second matchup because they can look at the tape and make proper adjustments. Atlanta said, okay, here's what they're doing to Trey Young. They're running this matchup zone, and nah, nah, nah. and they tried the adjustment, and the game was a little bit closer, but the Hornets were still able to prevail because they, in turn, made their own adjustments. So it's like from top to bottom, from the coach to the players, we're starting to see a little bit of consistency, some chemistry, and I think the Hornets are going to be better than a lot of people thought they were. Still don't know if they're going to quite be a playoff team, but I think they're ahead of a schedule actually, uh, yeah. with Mello and with just the development of the team as a whole. We still got to figure out the whole Devontae Graham, LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier situation. Uh, I know what my thoughts on are on that. We'll get to that. But uh, but that's what I think about last week. Danny, <laughs> uh, with being around the team all week, you know, with the Philadelphia game, they've lost 13 in a row to Philadelphia. All right. Philadelphia owns Charlotte at this point. Hey, hold on, real quick, real quick. We've been cursed ever since Nick Batum guaranteed we beat the 76ers three years ago. Let that man live. That no, man we will, no, Danny, we will not. He is the gift that keeps on giving. No, we will no, never no, let no, him live. No, 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 no. no. Go ahead, sir. It's the gift that keeps on giving. But remember, Jordan decided, decided to to, to stretch that contract out, all right? No one, no one put a gun to Nick Batum's head and told him to take $120 million. Hey, right. hey, hey, no one put a gun to his head and decided to not like basketball anymore, Danny. Man decided no. to put a gun in that man's head and guarantee victory against the 76ers. Nobody put a gun in that man's head and told him to brick a game-winning shot off the side of the backboard. I don't want to hear it. Nick Batum is responsible for his own suckiness. You will not suck Michael Jordan into Nick Batum's suckiness. Go ahead, sir. Look, I'm man. Look. Michael Jordan cut the check, sir. <laughs> Nick Batum's last two years, he had a dad bod in Charlotte. That's all I got to say. But also, he was told not to play either. So there's a difference. When you're told to stay away, when you're told you're not going to play, you're told just to basically sit there and collect a contract. It happens in the NBA. He, there was no trade value. They weren't going to be able to trade him until this year. It is what it is. Hornets fans have to get over it. All right. It, it's, it's never, that, never well, forget. Like 9 11. Never forget. Nope. Well, Sorry. Listen, listen ahead, you, you blame Rich Cho. I do blame Rich Cho. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> listen, Rich Cho was, Rich Cho didn't step up to Michael Jordan and say, this is kind of a bad idea. 
And to say, but let's go back to let's go back to something that's at hand, the team this week. All right. The Philadelphia game, they weren't going to beat Philadelphia. It's just that Philadelphia has something over Charlotte that we, we it is what it is 13 straight games. The last time I think they, 2016 was the last time the Hornets beat the Sixers in an actual game. It is what it is. But if you look at the rest of the week, the Atlanta game on Wednesday really triggered because of what Chris Karchner wrote in the athletic about John Collins. Trey Young having that discussion during a video session where John Collins called out Trey Young for shooting the ball too early in the shot clock, basically, and basically dominating the possessions. We saw that on Wednesday where Trey only took, what, nine shots? Yeah. He, was, he was so out of it on Wednesday, all right? Charlotte got lucky on that one because Atlanta had their worst first quarter of the season, scored 11 points. Atlanta scores 34 in the first quarter all season, led, led the NBA going into that game, all right? They play outstanding defense on Wednesday. Friday in the ball versus ball matchup, that might have been Charlotte's best second half of the entire season. Not only did like Coach Coach Brego told us in, in post game about resiliency, Charlotte fought back after getting punched in the face for, for 24 minutes. That first half, Charlotte couldn't hit anything. Zion was doing what he wanted to in the interior, and Charlotte just couldn't hit shots. The third quarter, they hit nine threes in the third quarter, and the game just changed because they started playing defense. Once they realized, and we saw this in the first, I say eight, not eight and a half games, when Charlotte got down ten points any game this season, they couldn't get the lead under ten. Mm-hmm. They would get it right around 12, 11, yeah, maybe even ten, but they couldn't crack that ten point barrier. When they cracked that ten point barrier and the start, shots start going in, you saw a different Charlotte team at that point. Lamelo was pushing the tempo. The guys were knocking shots down, and you see the fun factor. It transitioned into last night. Listen. Last night looked like the beginning of the New Orleans game. John Collins was doing what he wanted to to P.J. Washington. But the difference was P.J. decided, okay, I'm going to take this to a whole new level. I'm going to block shots and also uh, it, and also redirect the, uh, the game. And that changed it. it, it what, what, do you, what do you think woke P.J. Washington up? Because it, it, it was like an awakening in the second half of P.J. Washington. Um, I had a chance to ask my question last night. You know, one of the things JB had mentioned to him all season was work on not just blocking shots, but rim protection. Right. And, P- and PJ said he's taken a humongous pride about blocking shots. He loves blocking shots. And he said, I asked him last night because not only did those six block shots lead to something, it led to his best offensive game of the entire season. Right. I mean, a game where he literally, as a, a stat guy, he filled the stat sheet. And what I say by that is he was seven, I think, for 13 from the floor. He knocked right. down two or four from the three-point line, and he also got to the line six times. So he was scoring at all three levels last night. Which is which, – and I don't mean to cut you off, man, but there, yeah. there is something I specifically wanted to ask you about since you are covering the team, man. I, I have, I've been critical of P.J. Washington as a playmaker because I, I heard him and Borrego kind of make mention of him being more of a playmaker in offensive event, and I'm not a big fan of it personally, man. What do you think – and Rodney, I'm, I, and I, I'm going to get to you in a second, man, but I, I do want to uh, ask Danny this uh, question first, man. What do you think of P.J. Washington as a playmaker, and what do you think Borrego kind of thinks of that too? Well, remember, P.J. was a point guard for, before he hit his growth spurt. So he does have playmaking ability. This is the fact of because of Gordon Hayward, because of the mellow ball, and for as much as we'll jump on Devontae Graham shooting, Devontae's been a playmaker. Okay, he's getting assists left and right. I think he's had two double-digit assist games this season. I think he had, was it eight on Wednesday? I think last, I guess, New Orleans. He's been playmaking, and we know what Terry Rozier does. Gort, uh, PJ's job now that Cody is out and is only Biombo is more about protecting the rim than making plays at this point. 
It, right. it shows. Um, if you look at the numbers, last season, P.J. played 58 games. They had two games where he had three blocks or more in a game. He's done that three times in 14 days this season. He had six last night. So I think he's taking a little bit more of a role of, I've got to protect the rim because when we saw Biombo get in foul trouble, they had nothing left in there. Right. So I, I think he's much more of working on the interior game and, and basically being the post presence than being a playmaker, which is fine because Charlotte has enough playmakers already. Gotcha. So basically it just confirms everything I've thought about him as a playmaker. He needs to be focusing on other things besides but handling can, the ball. But he can't but he can do it when he's needed. Gotcha. To. All right. So, Rodney Rodney, what are your thoughts on the Hornets this week, brother? Man, Gordon Hayward showed his worth uh this past week, man. Like his, his stabilizing presence kind of helps calm, calm this young team down. And that was on display in Atlanta. He had a, a terrific first half against the Hawks. It was 25 points the first half. Yeah. And then and then that second half, the, the third quarter was kind of rough. And in the fourth quarter, they, they went to him to close out the game. And he, he showed why Mitch and MJ wanted to bring him in here. Uh, I, I got a question for you guys. Since uh, to a lot of people, Lamelo Ball is ahead of schedule, at, as far as the the impact he would have on the game now. Do you think Mitch and MJ kind of goes for it next year and uh, do, does a big splash in free agency just to kind of speed up that timeline? No, you don't think so. They did this before, and you saw what happened. They spent money on a sixth place team, and we saw what happened. It got Jamal being angry about Nick Batum. Damn there right. we go. Yep, damn right. That remember that team they spent not only just on Batum, they spent on Zeller, they spent on Kid Gilchrist, they spent they they opened up the checkbook for a team that was a seventh or eighth place team. They Let's they put they they put a Jerry Richardson when 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 he paid D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart. They they put a Jerry Richardson so, that year. So 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 this is my pushback. I I would say the supporting cast now is better than. Zeller, MKG, uh, Young Biombo, and everybody like that. So that's just kind of my pushback. There were seven, there were six place playoff team that year. This Hornets team, the, the East was worse back then too. Okay, but remember, we're ten games into a season here from a team that won twenty three games the season before that. Let's not sit here and try to microwave like let's not treat the Hornets like a hot pocket. All right, let's not try to get this thing done in two minutes. All right, let the team build. One thing Charlotte have been asking for for years and the fan base has asked for is potential cap space. All right. They finally got out of it. When Zeller's contract is up at the end of the season, Charlotte will have technically money to spend in the offseason. Let's not go out and try to, to microwave this process. It's great to have LaMelo Ball. But remember, you still got to pay Devontae Graham. You still got to pay P.J. Washington. And what are they going to do with, with Miles Bridges at this point? There are more, there are more things you got to worry about than going out and trying to attract a star player. It's great to see LaMelo Ball. It is. It's great. It's just at this point, we're only 10 games into the season. What happens if Charlotte goes on a six or seven game losing streak, for example? Then the fan base is going to start calling for James Brago's job at this point. Let's, just, let's, let's, get through, let's get through this four games this week. Charlotte has, what, four days off after that? And then let's reevaluate. Let's take yeah. it week by week at this yeah, point. I think it depends on who's going to be available and how realistic the chances are of landing that person. The the big need left for Charlotte is you, you do need a true center. 
The small ball experiment is actually working better than a lot of us would like to admit. The last three games, the Hornets are sixth in the league in defensive rating against the Hawks and the Pelicans. That's very bad. That's not bad. That's very, very telling. And as Danny just spoke about, PJ is starting to gel into that, you know, that role of of having to play the five. But having said that, I think we'd all feel a lot more comfortable if we had even I hate to even say this, but someone like Hassan Whiteside, who is now cheap, you know, he I hey, I know, I know guys. I know. I'm kind of the same thing. But if you got a guy that could get you easy inside buckets that can rebound to take some of the rebounding pressure off, because we actually have some decent rebounders. Uh, Lamella Ball is the best rebounder on the team, probably because he's taller than Bismack. Uh, Gordon Hayward's actually a pretty <laughs> good rebounder. Uh, Miles Bridges is very active around the board. So if you got a guy that can take some of the pressure off those so that the Hornets can get back in transition, uh, that's probably the last big hole the the the, uh, the Hornets need to fill. And I think if there's a possibility to do that, then you look into that. But at the same time, yeah, there, there's no reason to, to microwave it. I like the way the team is building and developing at this pace. And when they brought in James Borrego, that was the main thing, player development. We want someone who can develop our pieces and – People can say whatever they want about Borrego, okay? But the guy can develop players. I'm, you ain't, and maybe, maybe Lamelo Ball could have got drafted by any other team and has done what he has done in this first ten games. But the fact is, he's doing it with Charlotte. Borrego has slowly, uh, incrementally added to his playing time, and more importantly, his situational playing time. Don't look at just the minutes that he's playing. Look at when he's playing, how uh, Borrego will give him a breather so that he can be in the game late in the fourth quarter to make those impact plays. That's what's important, and that is how you develop a talent like Lamella Ball. So we got to give some the coach uh, some credit for that, I think. I'm, I'm happy with the way the team is coming along. Kaiser, speak, uh, Roddy, go ahead, sir. So the, the reason why I asked that question, man, I mean – Call, call call me a fear monger or whatever, but I'm, I'm looking at it like we're in a small market and it's rare that we get a talent like LaMelo Ball. And so we're always kind of on the clock and you, you, you get where you get where I'm coming from, right? I thought about that last night because there's going to be a point in time where if the Hornets aren't a good team, then the talks about, well, where's LaMelo going next? Now, LaMelo is pretty much he's locked in with us for a long time because we yeah. have the at, team least eight years. at least eight yeah, years. it's going to be a long time before LaMelo ball is not a Charlotte Hornet, but those conversations will happen if the Hornets don't get good uh, in a accelerated amount of time. And it's, I hate for those conversations to happen. It's 10 games enough to say, let's go out and trade the franchise. No, 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 no. Look, 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 man, look. But, but hold on. To look, look, point, look, my uh, white side is only playing 13 minutes a game right now. He's not doing – he can't even crack Sacramento's rotation. <laughs> all right? He's hey, but he, start, he would start for us, right? He No, he wouldn't. The Ooh. thing is – uh, white side, white side? No, he wouldn't. No, uh, he doesn't fit. You would. You wouldn't start white side over. I wouldn't start white side for Hunter Huss High School. No, I would not. <laughs> okay. Look, 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 he, look that, that 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 boy's a head case. Listen, <laughs> white side doesn't fit what Charlotte is trying to do with the smaller ball idea. 
if you wouldn't say you say you got a guy like Montrez Harrell or Serge Ibaka, I would understand that because it fits what they're trying to do. When I say Michael in the process, Hornets fans are asking about Andre Drummond. He doesn't fit what they're trying to do at all. He doesn't at all. Charlotte doesn't need a low post player if you're going to run. If they're if they're going to run this low, the small ball, go get a Draymond Green type of power forward center and let's call this a day. A guy that's going to impact the rim at some kind of way. For example, Brandon Clark. If Charlotte would have had a Brandon Clark, for example, in Memphis, it's the perfect type of fit. A 6'8", 6'9", guy that's very long and blocks shots. That type of player is what you want at a five. Not not a big slowdown center. And that's why I'm starting to wonder about Vernon Carey at this point. Vernon's going to have to lose weight. And the thing is, he's lost 30 pounds. Nick Richards might actually have a better chance of getting playing time going down the road than Vernon Carey even though Carey's better offensively. Is this why we've seen a little more of Nick Richards than Vernon Carey? I mean, it hasn't been much, but, you know. I mean, it's when you're trying to be an up-tempo team, you're trying to play smaller ball, you're going to need a guy that's flexible to do different things. An ideal type of center for this is a Tyson Chandler type of center. Okay, you need a guy. Um, a Not Clint Tyson Chandler, though. Let's make that no, 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 no. Tyson Chandler. I'll change it. A Jared Allen type of center. Okay? Uh, <laughs> a guy that can, a young DeAndre Jordan. Type no, because no, because you want somebody hitting free throws down the stretch of games. <laughs> so, okay, you want a guy that's going to protect the paint and is athletic. You know, you want a guy that can do those things. Whiteside can't do that. Whiteside, he's a great rebound and play, great shot blocker. But he won't be able to do the little things that Borrego will be asking for. And Borrego's uh, hair would be great. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, so, 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 time out, Kaiser. Time out, time out, time out. You just said he won't be able to do the little things that Borrego wants. Kind of like a former center who could block shots and rebound here, right? Right? Kind of like a guy who, who used to play center here who didn't do the little things, which ended up getting him traded ultimately, right? I mean, listen. Call it what it is. Yeah, okay. I, I was just making sure. Uh, uh, Biombo is not the answer at center, and I understand Cody Zeller is is injured, but um, Biombo is not uh, aware enough uh, to, to to for what the Hornets need at the center. He's not like even a really good rebounder, mainly because he's undersized. But uh, like Lamelo Ball can't be the best rebounder on the team. That's just not that. That is not sustainable. For Russell Westbrook was for years going forward. Where'd that get them? <laughs> it got them to the playoffs every year. Like second round exits. I mean, if that if that's the ceiling we want for someone like Lamelo Ball, who has all the talent in in the world, I mean, I, I just don't think that's that's that sustainable. You have to take that pressure off of your guards, the responsibility shouldn't be on those guys to get the rebounds. If they're active on the boards like LaMelo is, then that's great for your team. But really, you got to have a guy like uh, too many times uh, Clint Capella is surrounded by four Hornets and he's tipping the ball to himself. He's just playing tip drill with himself until he gets the offensive rebound and scores again. The Hornets got to be able to. I, I think that's the last hole that they really need to fill. White side will fill that. White side will fill that part. But continue. I digress. All right, but, hey, but but moving on from 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 centers, right, guys, we we have to ask this question because it is the hot topic for this week. It is the a question that the fan base wants to to, to discuss at nauseum. I don't even really want to go here, but I feel like we have to just out of necessity, guys. 
the fan base wants James Borrego's head because he is not starting their favorite player, which I think is ridiculous. So, but I have to ask the question, guys. Does LaMelo Ball need to be a starting point guard for the Charlotte Hornets right now? Who wants to take this one first? I'll start. Rodney, Rodney go um, ahead, sir. It's, it's, it's 10 games into the season. Devontae Graham kind of has earned equity to kind of figure this out. Um, if, if, if Borrego made that decision to start LaMelo, I wouldn't be mad at it. I mean, it's, it's, it's justified in the way that he's played. But, I mean, I, honestly, I'm more concerned about who finishes the game. Uh, if I'm LaMelo, I'd rather finish the game and be the closer than, than, than worry about starting. I mean, hey, look at the bright side. LaMelo can win six men of the year and rookie of the year. <laughs> I'm more concerned with LaMelo's overall minutes, which we've seen go up yeah. slowly. Uh, in compared to Devontae's minutes, rather than whether or not he starts, there was a game. Uh, I, I don't know if it was the Atlanta game Wednesday or the Pelicans game, but Devontae Graham had 39 minutes and LaMelo Ball only had like 24. And I thought that was too big of a, of a yeah. gap considering how well LaMelo was playing. Whereas a week before, they both played 29 minutes each. And I felt like that was a good split. The t- there is a diff- it is a different team when LaMelo Ball's on the floor. That I don't think there's any. It's undeniable yeah, at this point. Having ball starts, I think, resolves that issue the Hornets have with slow starts. That would be, uh, I think, the best argument for Lamella Ball starting. Having said that, though, that energy that comes from the second unit when he comes in the game is is a welcome rush of momentum for the Hornets sometimes. And it's like, do you really want to mess with that chemistry? At the same time, Devontae Graham is a streaky offensive player. Uh, there are a lot of other things he can do on the court to impact the game, but offensively, when he's off, if his shot's not falling, you don't get a whole lot from him offensively. And a lot of times, uh, that is a role that is uh, better for bench, someone coming off the bench, uh, because when he's hot, if he's hot and he's coming off the bench hot, then you know you're going to get a microwave player. Um, and that's a decision I'm glad I don't have to make. If Borrego decides to start Lamelo. I'm behind it. If he decides, no, I kind of want to keep this train rolling how it is and then slowly increase LaMelo's minutes, uh, I'd be good with that as well. Danny, what you got? No. no I've said I've said it on my show. I've said it on the post-game show the, that I host on, on, on after each home game. No, it's not time to start him. The Hornets have won three consecutive games with the way they're doing. To Kaza's point, I think you would want to see LaMelo play more minutes, but here is a newsflash. LaMelo's not a very good free throw shooter either, okay? So those last two minutes of games, as people say, why is Borrego taking him out and bringing Miles in, swapping him out? You don't want Ball nowhere near a free throw line. That's what you don't want him to do at this point. If he wants to become a guy at the end of games, he's going to have to hit free throws. And to, to the point that LaMelo changes the game in so many ways, like Kaza said, you want that energy coming off the bench because Charlotte is horrible starting games. We've all seen this. They yeah, are just absolutely. flat out bad. Right. But when LaMelo comes to the game, it's a different type of energy. And I think he makes Miles Bridges play better, the Martin Twins play better, and guess mm-hmm. what? It's okay to come off the bench. Coming off the bench doesn't mean you're worthless. Lou Williams and Jamal Crawford have changed that role and that the way you th- think about it. Those guys played more minutes than starters did. We saw it last night. LaMelo and Graham played a right around 31, 32 minutes apiece. All right? LaMelo's minutes are going to increase, but I also think 
you can't send Devontae to the bench right now. If his confidence is low and he's not hitting shots, it's going to be shattered. It's if you bring gonna, him to the you're bench. going to shatter him by sending him to the bench. We all know eventually that the starting lineup is going to have LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier together. It's yeah. eventually going to happen. But let's not force Devontae to the bench. Like Rodney said, last year, everybody in Charlotte was saying Devontae Graham was the best thing walking on this roster. Now we're 10 games of the season. We're talking about throwing this guy on the bench here. Right. You know, right. Right. The, guy, the guy was top five in three-pointers made last season. We all know he has to have the ball in his hands. It's only been 10 games. Let him get used to it. What we saw in the New Orleans game, I think he had 17 points. He had um, six rebounds. He had eight assists. Mm-hmm. All right. He was affecting the game in so many different ways. People forget he is actually a good playmaker on the court. Yeah, It's, it's okay for LaMelo to come off the bench. What we want to see more of is what we saw at the beginning stages of the Atlanta game. We saw it in the New Orleans game. We saw it a lot in the fourth quarter last night is having ball with Graham and Rozier on the court with Hayward. That's what we want to see more of because that stretches the defense out. What hurt Atlanta was and what hurt New Orleans was when Charlotte wins that lap in the fourth quarter, Zion, Capella, Collins, nobody can figure out how to guard that. Because mm-hmm. if PJ's at the five, PJ can shoot the three as well, too. Mm-hmm. With Miles, Miles is what we're not talking about is Miles Bridges has gotten better behind the three point line. Yeah. And with Miles being a much better three point shooter, that means you have four guys on the court that you legitimately have to guard behind the three point line with LaMelo Ball being LaMelo Ball. That's the, that's the part we want to see more of. I'm yeah. not worried about the minutes. LaMelo right. is a kid still, he's 19 years old. What we do have here is. And I've said this, I think I tweeted this last night. Every time LaMelo grabs the rebound, I promise you, I see Jason Kidd in the Dallas Mavericks uniform <laughs> taking that rebound down and just going down the court. Hey, Danny, real quick. Danny, real quick. Speaking of that in particular. I need to get was, some credit. Hey, man, there, there, there was a play where I saw, I think it was uh, the last Atlanta game, where LaMelo Ball, uh, he affected a shot, number one. Then he grabbed the rebound. And he, he he dribbled down court and he dished to Gordon Hayward for a three. Man, you would have I fell in love. Like hearts was like around my head. Man. It, was, it, it was like the most beautiful thing I had like ever seen in, in, with the Hornets this season, man. And and, and to your point, I, I saw that vision of a Jason Kidd, because that's what Jason Kidd used to do. And I saw that in that one particular play, man. But go ahead, man. But there was one even before that one. I want to say it was the Atlanta game. It was I think it was the first quarter where there was two possessions where LaMelo had the ball, one where he went behind his back and did the layup, the second one where Devontae was standing in his regular corner by the three-point line, Gordon Hayward was on the wing. LaMelo dribbles to the middle of the paint, looks directly at Devontae, yep. and lasers the pass over to Hayward. To Hayward, I yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Ooh, man, I was like, yo, where he come from? <laughs> and he <laughs> knocks down a three-pointer. That's the type of stuff LaMelo Ball does. And I know Hornets fans want to see – him starting. I know that. We all do. But maybe in right now, it's just better for him to be that guy off the bench, playing 34, 35 minutes a night off the bench, doing what he does, and Charlotte wins. You just yeah. can't kill Devontae at this point. Because if right. he goes to the bench, and new slash Hornets fans, you can't trade him. His contract is nothing. He makes like a $2 million a year? A less, than, less than that. The, the Hornets are in the same situation with Devontae Graham, the Lakers were with Kyle Kuzma. When the Lakers tried, remember the Lakers, when they got Anthony Davis, they refused to give Kyle Kuzma any deal. 
Why? Not because of his talent level. It's because Kyle Kuzma made $1.6 million. The Lakers can't trade Kyle Kuzma for Derrick Rose. The contracts are too big. The Hornets can't move Devontae Grant. Not yeah. because he's, he's talented, but you get way more value <clears throat> what he gives to the floor than what his salary is. You're yeah. not trading Terry Rozier because Rozier, let's be honest with you, he's been the most he's been the best player the Hornets have had all season. Mm-hmm. I think consistently wise. Now Hayward's been phenomenal the last six or seven games. Hayward's now become the closer. Terry Rozier is the best spot shooter we have. So why would you trade Rozier when you got Lamelo Ball out there? There's no way you're going to trade a guy that can knock down shots with a point guard that can get you the ball in your hand. So yes. just stay the way they are. Stay the course. We're not right. just stay the hey, course. Danny, Danny, Danny got a quick question. What happens with Malik Monk? Bye. Um, <laughs> listen, the Martin twins have passed into the rotation. All right. It's that simple. Malik Monk's not playing. You know, and- last night I was watching Kayla Martin and I'm thinking, is Malik Monk really better than Kayla Martin? Kayla Martin. You're gonna put and this is the monk. This is for monk fans. Caleb Martin is shooting 54 percent from the floor, 37 percent from the three point line, and play. And obviously, he's a better defender. Let's not forget that. Well, I mean, I mean, he attempts to play defense. Anything monk ha- monk has been like basically monk can't guard any one of us at. at, uh, <laughs> at look, look, I, I, I'll post him up. I got all. I got all his girth. You sound <laughs> you like Levar Ball, but yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, and monk's in the final year of his contract, and people have asked me a lot of where can he go. I've always said, and this sounds like an interesting idea, call Sacramento. You got a disgruntled guy who was a top three pick who is frustrated. You bring him here. You send Vernon Carey that way as well, too. You send Carey oh, wow. and Monk, and you go get uh, Marvin Bagley. Man, All right? look, Danny, 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 it's going to take more than Malik and Vernon Carey for Marvin Bagley. And now he's a free agent, and he's going to walk out the door in the, in, in the end of the season. He walks. Both players walking. In the I year. wonder though if if Monk's trade value is so low because te- we know that teams wanted Monk last season and even the season before his name would always come up in trade talks and the Hornets were like nah. But then now, well, he's been out of the drug program and now we don't have a spot for him on a rotation. And I think I wonder if other GMs are like, oh, also oh, now you want to trade him? No, well, I don't think so, Charlotte. I, I think with the whole Bathsheba COVID. Going around the league as we just watched last what last three days yeah. we saw we saw the Sixers literally forced to play seven players right because they had to address Ben Simmons and Embiid even though they were out we're watching what's going to happen with Boston today after the whole Jason Tatum contract situation and they're going to be have probably eight players on the roster today there's going to have to come to a point where either Adam Silver extends these rosters or guys that aren't playing that actually have talent will get traded it's going to come to this point. And I'm just really more concerned about what happens in Orlando in the bubble with the G League and who's going down there than what Malik Monk's going to bring to the table. I really, because I think you, you can trade Malik Monk. Listen, if Al Horford got traded with that contract and Blake Griffin's been traded and Russell Westbrook got traded twice, anybody in this league can trade it at this point. So, yeah, it's going to take I- it right off. Guys, we're up against it. Um, I just want to share a really, really quick thought about uh, the Miller ball and, and him starting in his minutes. Um, Hornets fans, I want you to realize Anthony Edwards is averaging about 26 minutes a game. The almighty James Wiseman is averaging about 20 minutes a game. Let me repeat that. James Wiseman is averaging 20 minutes a game. Lamella ball is averaging 24 minutes a game. Why do I bring that up? Because what's being lost in this conversation is that when you are a rookie in the NBA, 
This is a marathon and not a sprint. The NBA is a different type of grind. So it cannot be understated that you have to bring these rookies along a little slower than fans want them to. You don't want them hitting that wall Mm -hmm. earlier than they need to. So please just kind of keep that in perspective when you are calling for James Borrego's job next month because he's not playing LaMelo Ball 40 minutes a game. I want to share one last thought because, again, we're up against time before we get to shout-outs. I just want to share one last thought. If, and I do mean if, because I'm not predicting this is going to happen. I'm not into predictions. I don't know how the season is going to turn out, okay? But if Gordon Hayward somehow makes the Eastern Conference All-Stars this year, a lot of y'all are going to get this work. That's all I'm going to say. I'm coming from next. Listen, Gordon Hayward is never going to be worth the contract, $30 million, blah, blah, blah. But just if, if he somehow ends up on that All-Star roster, Y'all going to catch this work. I just want to put that out there. But anyway, guys, we're up against time. Shout-outs or shout-ats or parting shots. Danny, you're the guest. Go first, sir. Guys, first and foremost, give you guys a shout-out for bringing me on today. I, I love coming on here. Of all Thank the you, shows man. and podcasts I do on a regular basis, this is my favorite. Thank because, you, man. First off, you guys are all local. I support everything you guys do in, in, in your different industries. So that's that's my first shot out to you guys. Shout outs also as well to, to the threepointconversion.com. Check out everything we do over there. Um, we have daily, if you go on our YouTube page, we have daily things with the Charlotte Hornets. Like every single press conference throughout the day, shoot arounds, post game. We have all that content there. I cover the team on a daily basis. So anything I do is over there on that. Also, check out the Hornets post game show. Like, I know the guys don't do post-game shows because by the time – it's all past their bedtimes anyway. I'm, I'm on pretty much every single night after talking Hornets for every single game. As soon as the media lets us out, I go live. So check us check me out at HapsTV.com. And like I said, it's always a pleasure being on you guys' show. And Hey, hey quick, 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 quick thing, Danny. Number one, Danny, man. I, I mean, I, we appreciate the word so much, man. Seriously, dude. This is, it's always good to have a dude like you support us, man. Um, number two – it's past Kaiser and Rodney's bedtime. I'm still <laughs> up. I'm still up if you need a guest. Hint, hint, wink, wink. But, <laughs> but guys, go ahead, man. <laughs> uh, I'm giving a shout at to whoever hires Joe Brady for a head coach. <laughs> <laughs> you stole my thunder. Like why, like, why? Did you guys not watch any Panthers games? Uh, Eric, uh, the enemy is probably the most qualified. I, I don't – I just don't – I mean, I, actually, I, I do understand. I mean, I, we all know. Keep Brady uh, away from Atlanta. That's all I'm saying. Keep Brady away from Atlanta. Yeah, That's so, well, you know, the news is that the Jets are, like, all in on Joe Brady. So – um, have at it. Have at it. Please I, go ahead. Yeah, I just it's just that's just puzzling to me. It's just puzzle. It's just really puzzling to me. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. So shout out to whoever hires that guy instead of Eric being me. It's the Jets. What more do you want to say? No, exactly. Yeah. There, there's no more to be said. Right, Rodney. What you got, bro? Uh, I got two. Uh, I'm gonna give a shout out to you guys. Uh, everybody here, man. I talk to y'all every day, man. Y'all are good friends. Much love. Um, and, uh, man, let me give a shot at to those assholes this past week that so my thunder. ran a coup <laughs> and tried to take over the uh, Capitol building. Uh, hey, man, uh, 
the 20th can't get here fast enough. <laughs> That's all I got to say. The 20th can't get here fast enough. Jamal, you, you go ahead and spout more on it. Um, no, nah, I, I don't know if I want to at this point, honestly, man. No, no, because Rodney just gave the little mellow alley. Miles, go ahead and finish it. Miles, go ahead and finish it. All right. Okay. Well, since, since uh, let me let me go ahead and dunk this shit real quick, man. Um, shout out to anyone in America who still wants to excuse or coddle anyone who is defending these assholes who who went to the Capitol and started an insurrection in the name of white supremacy. Damn it, I'm not playing around. I don't care how you feel. I don't care if it's controversial. I don't care at this point. We are in way too much of a critical time in American history to keep coddling this shit. It, it is beyond logic. White supremacy is beyond logic. So don't look for logic when you're trying to figure out why these people are going to the damn capital of the United States and doing this kind of shit. It is beyond coddling at this point. And I am tired of trying to have civil discussions about it. So shout out, no, excuse me, shout at to America. Joe Biden came out and said, this is not who we are. Yes, the hell it is. And it needs to be. I, that's it. I don't have any more to say, man. Uh, anybody else? Anybody? Man, man, look, also, man, uh, look, I'm not. Look, we're, we're not applauding those people who resigned this week. Y'all are still cowards. They, plain and simple. They, they put a two week notice in. They put a two week notice in. Like, like, like you weren't so appalled. You're going to be out of job in two weeks anyways. I don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> yeah, a shout out, a shout at to my um, military veteran pals who also support such foolishness. You know, whatever whatever people's thoughts are about the military, military people, you were supposed. This is what you were supposed to be fighting against. Yeah, you know, we we defend the United States against all enemies. Foreign and domestic. When you take the the oath, that is what it says. Foreign and domestic. So when you know when I hear that a former Air Force combat veteran uh, lost her life because she wanted to be a rebel, I hey, I hey, it it in in the famous words of the former about to be former president it is what it is guys thank y'all for um coming on the show man our fellas in the chat room we always appreciate y'all next week hopefully we don't have to do any any of these uh kind of shout outs man hopefully we can just talk about basketball and the hornets having a perfect next week they gotta beat the knicks they gotta beat the knicks beat the damn knicks please so i don't have to hear this from my knicks friends man guys appreciate y'all man peace out y'all peace out